Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you go out, seek new worlds and new civilizations, and wonder how to suss them out. Take me to your leader. Please don't eat me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I now see your problems, Bruce, at the stuff we come up with. Okay, anyways, (laughs) tonight we are doing. Interacting with new power centers and groups. First contact protocols in your games. Now, of course, we could just fall back on, okay, you're out on the fringe paths, somebody else is there. But we're trying to be more system agnostic. So you can apply this to other games that involve some facet of exploration and new cultures, new races. Uh, new power centers, groups that have some form of control over their land and you're coming in. And I mean, it could be anything from, you know, you're looking for trade or you're just being, I guess the new term now is a colonizer, which from what I hear is a, is as a bit of a bad connotation. And I'm understanding. Imperialistic is what a lot of people use. And, and they also use that as a pejorative. Yeah. So we, we are going to get into that tonight as far as, in a role-playing game, how would you go about interacting with one of these new power centers that you stumble upon in your travels, in your explorations? So, right. yes. Because we're not talking just about going and meeting new people, because, you know, if you, uh, if you go into a new land and, uh, and meet people there, and and have whatever interactions you want to have on a friendly basis or whatever, and then you turn around and leave, that's not what we're talking about, okay? It's, you know, it, it's the idea of setting things up for future interactions. Yeah, establishing you know? trade routes or embassies or whatever have you. Yeah, basically, if you don't make them aware of who you represent, okay? And you're not talking to the people that represent them you're not you're not doing what we're talking about yeah if you're just doing the story of the week oh we found another land nation culture world alternate earth what have you and you open the door you check it out you have an adventure then you leave no this is more for long-term parts of your campaign arc in whatever game you're doing that you're going to come back in some form and interact with this culture on a repeated basis. Yeah, not just you, but also the people you represent. Yes, well, I meant you in the plural sense, as in whatever body of power that you're representing in French, where right. you would be Unita, and you know, any other, right. in, like in you could be exploring for the Forgotten Realms and going over to, and oh my God, I'm blanking on the North American Anachrome. Let's say you're going, you're playing a Forgotten Realms game. And you go over to Anachrome or Maztica, 
which is the South American equivalent. Okay, and you're, let's say, with the university at Waterdeep. Okay, fine, you still have certain things that you need to do as far as how you go about dealing. Oh, we found this new culture of, you know, jungle elves. How do we go about interacting with them? And, you know, on to, to try to make some type of permanent alliance, relationship, dynamic, what right. have you. Long term. Yes. Yeah. All right. As I said, we're we're going to use Fringeworthy as an example, but I mean we can throw in other examples depending on not only games but settings. The first thing I would think is if you are you actually looking for okay, we're going to this world and trying to see if there's an indigenous culture there, or yeah, we're out and about and all of a sudden we literally bump into these people. We had no idea that they were there. That I'm sure that would throw certain things into perspective as far as okay, we find we know that there's people here through whatever means divination, satellite, whatever, and you okay, we 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 know they're there, we're going to meet them. That's gonna be one set of circumstances. And then you get and we're but, what? Yeah, but but wait a second, you know, you're not just going there to meet them, you're going there to meet them as representatives yes. of your group. Yes. If you don't reveal who you are you know, you're not actually setting any of this up. Yeah. So because I, I know that in a lot of these games, you know, we're, you know, people think that just because they go into a town or something like that, you know, and they talk and whatever, they're spreading their culture or whatever. But you, you really have to make an effort, you know, to go. It's, it's beyond just simple adventuring is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think you are, too. Yeah, it, it's definitely you are doing some serious role playing with this, and and the GM, you know, yes, he, he will be taking on the part of the tribal chieftain or the town's mayor or the castle's lord or the the representative of said alternate earth. You know, so yeah, you're going to be having to come up as a GM with whatever culture it is that your players, in whatever capacity the characters are are going to be forging some type of alliance with. Yeah, it's a big difference where you walk into the town and they, they say, oh, we have a, you know, we're, our town is being besieged by a great dragon. And you say, what do I get if I destroy the dragon? Oh, well, you can marry, you will be able to marry my daughter, you know, and, um, and we'll give you X amount of uh, treasure. Okay, and he's like, and you're like, oh, cool. You know, so you go and, Get the treasure. You kill the kill the monster. Get the treasure. You know, marry the daughter. You know, uh, start a family, and then you leave, and you go to the next place, and maybe do it again. Okay, but as far as anybody else, as far as they're all concerned, that's all there is. That's all there is to think. If you turn around instead and say, "Oh, well, you can marry my daughter," he says, "Does that mean that when you die, I'll become the ruler of this land?" That's a little different. Or you say, well, instead of marrying your daughter, how about we get a favored trading status uh, with your with the the, the people of the uh, with this kingdom, and everything that we buy, we get like thirty percent off, and then we will and we will and we will bring trade items uh, to you under the same um, uh, the same conditions, you know. And they're like, oh, well, okay, then that 
a little different than we were expecting. This is a whole new ball game. Who, you know, who do you represent? And then you can either say, "Well, we're from a, 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 a we're from another land, and and uh, we have all this, you know, and we have these resources, and you know, we're." We were scouting out new markets, or you can come up forward and say, "Well, we're from a, you know we're we're bigger than that. We're another nation, and uh, and and tell them all about the other nation, and and really start trading cultural things with each other, and for and start forming alliances and such, you know, and say, hey, you know, there's actually a bigger threat than your dragon, and let me tell you about them, you know, and then we we can, you know, and. I'm just saying that's that's a little that's a lot different than the standard trope of you know uh, here's here's a quest and we'll give you this incremental thing that will make you as an individual better but uh, really doesn't go much beyond that to something that literally makes your representative group uh, much much better. You know, and and hopefully the people that are doing it are much much better. A because you solve their problem, and B because it opens up um, a, a whole host of opportunities. Yeah, putting this out that this is going to involve a, a much higher level of role playing than just you know the Munchkin method, kick in the door, slay the monster, steal the treasure. Yeah, this is going to be something that's going to bring out. The role play it's going to test the role-playing abilities of everybody involved because ultimately, if they're doing this, they're in it, excuse me, for something bigger than themselves. They're, yeah, yeah you, you, you were, and we've done podcasts on the concept of scale. Yeah, if you're just, yeah, I want to get rich or whatever, fine. No, you are involved with some other entity or body of power, and the stakes, the risks, and the benefits are all much higher. Being a representative of this power and going through such a thing of finding a new power center, culture, tribe, nation, what have you, and starting up this long-term, hopefully mutually beneficial dynamic with this other group. Hopefully for them. Well, yeah, I mean, you want it to be beneficial for both, I mean. Well, again, it depends on who you're playing and who you're representing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we will go on the standard assumption that you are playing people of decent moral character as is the entity that you are representing. <laughs> I think doing this uh, and, and your evil would probably be on another whole episode. Um, well, but it still doesn't change the dynamic. You still have to do all these things, you know. You, yeah, you yeah, yeah. If you, if you conquer the other uh, power center, then you're not really, you know, that is a way of interacting with them. Well, there's that, but you can also just make bad deals, you know. Give them like the 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 classic. Uh, and I, I I don't know how true it is, but it's one of those historical myths there where you know America or was you know Manhattan Island was bought for a bunch of beads. I know that's yeah. not the truth, Equip- of it, but yeah. that's equivalent of like twenty four dollars or something like but, that. Yeah, yeah, you can role play that as you know. Well, we'll give you this really powerful artifact, and it's really only powerful because they've never seen a flashlight before. Oh yeah. That's pretty you know, on a dark night. That's a pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. But it keep, if it keeps the wild bear from attacking you when you shine in its eyes, it's a powerful warding device. Yes, but is it worth the village? If uh, <laughs> if it keeps the village from being eaten by the, the things, yeah, until they run out of batteries, and that right. or or well, you, or solar powered, <laughs> or, or, or again, you, I'm, you, you squeeze, I'm, I'm the, portraying the squeeze one. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Or you keep them hooked on the batteries. It's like, yeah, well, you know, if you give us this, actually, we'll give yeah. you something to keep this going. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? that's right. We only offered that's you right. the artifact. We but, didn't offer you the batteries. But but the, here uh, but here's the thing: the first try is always free. So that first battery is free. After that, it costs. Yes. Um, yeah. True. True. Uh, true traders don't sell guns; they sell bullets. Yeah. 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 Oh boy, we just went from role playing to an economics class, folks. This is a tangent that we deal with. It. Being, but it's still part of it. Because well, yeah, yeah. You decide it, it, how you want to interact. You can interact militarily. You can interact economically. You can interact uh, culturally. Uh, you know, you can interact uh, religiously and uh, philosophically. Yeah. You know, different forms of government. Uh, you can interact. Uh, uh, let's see. What are my other choices here? Um, uh, genetically, actually, because you can spread genes around. Yeah. Uh, by various means, transplanting plants, you know, because um, uh, there's a in, in refrigerator there's a uh, uh, there's an organism out there that does that on its own. It's called the uh, oh the purple uh, weed. Yep, the purple mm-hmm. weed. You betcha. Yep. yep. And I swear that a certain a certain inter uh, uh, not interventional but um, uh, uh, show that use some kind of a, uh, a some kind of a solar portal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had an episode just about this sort of thing. <clears throat> yes, a, a sun yeah. opening. Yeah. What? What is? Uh, what? Are, how are we going to do the 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 show and film that must not be named? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you were old right. school tri tac, you know exactly what we were referring to. Anyways, yeah. So, and of course, would I would I be a bad person when you said genetically? I yeah, plants. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. No, I thought the same thing. Okay. Oh. Good. Oh, good. Oh. Okay, I feel much better. Anyways, uh, and this can be really important if you happen to be in, you know, uh, of what uh, someone that might be considered to be a race, you know, here on Earth, uh, and you want to become the dominant uh, genetic expression on other worlds. Becoming the local hero is a good way of spreading that around. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so yeah. Uh, there's many different, as as we've just said, there are many different ways that you can sit there and forge a bond with whatever power center you and, in effect, your backing entity will interact with. And the the biggest one probably would be, I would think, trade. You would sit there, okay, oh, you have something that, you know, interests us. Oh, we've got something that we know you would enjoy. That, I think, is the easiest and the first one that would come to mind for most gamers. Yeah, and in Fringeworthy, of course, they don't have a prime directive. So they're going to sit there and give various things that, let's say, an IDET happens upon an Iron Age culture. Okay. So for, you know, we're using, since it's furniture with the D20, a PL1 culture, Bronze Iron Age. If, right. if you sit there and, oh, we have all this wonderful art and all this stuff that we can bring back and it would be great in museums. You know, if we give these guys polycarbonate knives, you know, their jobs would be so much easier trying to, you know. And just, yeah, polycarbonate knives are a million times stronger than anything they came up with. I mean, obsidian cut really well. Problem is, it was very fragile, and that was yeah, stony. Okay. So bronze and iron still, polycarbon is still light years ahead of you know anything from the bronze and, and iron. Completely impossible for them to reproduce. Yeah, see, that's the thing, and you'd be sitting there, you know, keeping them in knives. Just as long, hey, as long as the 
the pottery and the idols keep coming, you'll get more of these, you know, knives for your mighty warriors to go out and slay beasts and field dressing your beasts to, you know, so you have furs and food and you can use the bones. and Because remember, right. many of these cultures, they used every part of the animal. That's why with Native Americans, the buffalo was so revered because they used everything. The bones. Right, the, but, this the is, but that's called securing a market. Yes. You know, if they can't reproduce what what you're giving them, and it's better than anything else you know, that they can produce, and they can afford it, then you've got yourself a uh, a market for life. And and the good thing is, usually when, in, in Fridgeworthy, of course, we have this wonderful thing called mass production. Polycarbonate knives, there are whole factories that are probably, you know, just for, oh yeah, we make this, you know, polycarbonate buck knife for hunters, and yeah, we ship out a million a month or whatever, and yeah, that's not going to be a problem. Short of society collapsing under the prime, you'll be able to keep these guys in polycarb knives for generations. And they'll treat them because, you know, this culture, they'll see, oh, this is a mighty weapon, you know, and oh, it cuts so well. And it becomes heirlooms, and they'll give them, you know, down the line as, and down the line they'll be ancestral because, oh, this this mighty weapon that explorers from far away gave us five generations ago, and it still cuts sharp as it did when my great grandfather gave it, got it, you know. So yeah, just we most of these, a lot of exploration games that deal with modern or near future or even far future cultures have that going for them, mass production. Oh, another example I can use. Yes, something that I'm very fond of, as you all know, the Second World Setting by Stephen Palmer Peterson. One of the things that they do is when the whole thing of, oh yeah, we have the modern day Earth and then we have this fantasy Earth with this interstice known as the Forge separating them. The major thing is spells are hard to cast on the First World, which, you know, when I did Bureau 13 OGL, I made that canon. Okay, so the First World is Bureau 13 Earth. What they'll do is, yeah, you can't cast magic all that well. There's, you know, magical suppression that you have to be really skillful to do it. But once it's in a magic item, the spell works fine. So wands, scrolls, potions all work. Meanwhile, we have mass production. And as long as it's, as long as it's not a terribly technical item, things like specimen kits and first aid kits that, you know, use natural cotton instead of like, you know, synthetic gauze or whatnot, or what was it, the World One World War One lighters. Things like this Zippos. are Yeah, yeah. And oh no I'll never forget the the this thing was about the size of a good leather bound book and it was a lighter my mom had. And I'm like, you could cook an animal with this thing. She called it Godzilla. Anyways, here's the thing, I don't I don't want to know what my mom was lighting up with a lighter <laughs> that size. These items that we could mass produce here on our Earth and were still technologically low enough where the Second World wouldn't futz with them and short them out. Oh no, that was a massive trade thing, and there were corporations that did that, like uh, Solstice International, which I did put in Bureau 13 OGL as somebody you would meet. And it's like, they would do that, yeah. We'll send over all this mass-produced cheap stuff, even denim jeans. As long as it's all natural fibers, it's no polyester or nylon or anything. Jeans are great because, hey, what clothing in the medieval era had pockets? And so, yeah, everything from mass-produced Levi's to all natural material baseball caps, which were seen as status symbols. In the Second World, if you were sitting there walking around with a Yankees cap, a cotton t-shirt, 
and jeans, that would be like walking around here with a Armani suit or a Vera Wang dress. And so all this mass-produced stuff from the first world was traded by companies by, like Solstice International for magic items. Oh, cure disease? Yeah. Oh, if you got the $20 million to pay for this cure disease scroll, yeah, you might have you know this disease or that disease. Yeah, you figure out the scroll, and yeah, you'll survive the disease. Of course, you're paying $20 million for the scroll. And a thing like a ring of invisibility in on a modern-day planet, there would be nations that would, you know, empty their coffers for just one ring of invisibility. So yeah, that is an example of massive amounts of trade. And these corporations in the second world source book setting do things like that. But still, they still had to take that first step, you know, the interdimensional travel and, oh, we have this here, well, we have this here. And then by the time you get the, the book, yeah, that's a, that's a thing. And you can sit there and if you know where to look for these magic items. Now, Zippos and certain types of first aid kits and all that, and the jeans and the caps and the t-shirts, those were sold openly. Anybody with the money could get them. But the magic items coming back, oh no, you had to be in the know. Basically, you had to be in like either in governments or like in the 1%. So, But that would be a good example of Massive amounts of trade. One culture is this, the other culture is that. Oh, we need that. And at the same time, you're pointing to the other person's stuff. So. Right. But you want your tech, you know, the tech level of those items uh, to be sufficiently distant uh, that, you know, that you basically, as I say, you're maintaining your trade. They don't start making them. Yeah. Well, yeah. The thing is, still with the second world. It's still early Renaissance culture. You're not going to have the technological base to, oh yeah, we you know we have the 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 the, 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 the clothing mills in order to sit there and crank out denim and cotton t-shirts and all that. So it's just that trade is going, and because the mass production is there on the first world, you know Levi's and all these other brands and you know Dickies shirts and. And I'm blanking on the type of a baseball, their brand of baseball cap, and I, it was on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, the mass production is enough where, and the technology is high enough, yeah, they're not going to copy it. It just, the second world just cannot support. They're not even an industrial revolution unless you're bringing in techno magic. Well, even if they right. can copy it, it'll, it'll be at such a slow pace that you'll always be able to beat them just in pure supply. Well, yeah, and also it would take time to reverse engineer. Barring things like not not necessarily okay because uh, if I was the head of a of a foreign government and somebody was bringing in these kinds of items um, somewhere along the line I would say you know we would li- as our next step of uh, of our negotiation we would like you to put one of your factories on our land. Huh? Okay, which of course would give them the opportunity to observe, you know, and possibly um, figure out how to do the technology because the means of doing it would be right there in front of them. Okay, uh, I know that in many of our players, uh, when they're playing Fringeworthy, they see themselves as being cult, um, technological uplifters. Mm. Uh, they when they come into a world 
they don't bring. I mean, they may be a few products to show off what 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 could be done, but they're basically selling basic electricity texts, uh, uh, chemistry texts, things like that. They're they're trying to get that information out to these people to jumpstart their uh, their their technological revolution to bring them somewhere up to you know the. Maybe not, you know, depending on where they're starting. If they're the Bronze Age, maybe bring them up, you know, into the Renaissance, let's say. Okay, uh, because it's really a pain to go on these worlds and literally have to be, like, pooping in an outhouse and eating food that's suspect. Yeah. Uh, and all the other privations that they take as a matter of course, but to you... It's like, you know, why why do I have to live under these primitive conditions? And you end up bringing a travel trailer along with all the creature comforts that you just can't bear to live without. That was something in the second world that they that they did. And they mentioned this with the concept of exiling, where, oh, you see something fantastic on the first world and you don't put it out of your head. Or in the case of what I added in B13 OGL, you don't get picked up by the Bureau. You get shunted to the second world. Well, you have all this first world knowledge and the science. You just don't have the second world technology to back it up. But magic bisteps that. So you have basically techno-magic freezers, techno-magic showers. And yeah, it's a ridiculous amount of money. But if you go adventuring and you get into the magic game or, you know, you just happen to be a good fighter and you can, you know, like a modern day soldier and you go... And yeah, you'll hire people. Yeah, well, reverse engineer this. I want this thing that you capture this fire elemental. It heats this water. It goes through these pipes. I turn it, you know, hot and cold so I can clean myself. So so I'm not being grubby and, you know, bathing in a river. I want a hot shower. So yeah, they would do that, but it's because they would use magic and effectively techno magic. And I just use the, the fire elemental... That's how they bypass and get steam tech in the second world, is they'll do it magically, because thermodynamics, as per normal, does not work on the second world. So a lot of first world exiles, they'll use that hack so they can live in a style that they, you know, as they say, (laughs) so we can live in the style that we are accustomed to. Yeah. Yeah, I would say any organization that doesn't have some kind of a, you know, Star Trek, you know, prime directive that prevents them... Any ambassadors, any resident traders, they're not going to want to go native. They're not. Yeah, they're not going to. They're going to bring. They're going to bring their slicer home with them, and that's. Yeah, that'll be the. If nothing else, they'll probably seek to um, jumpstart the the client nation or the primitive nation, however you want to term it, uh, the trading partners. Um, If nothing else, their hygiene uh, technology. Yeah, that that brings into play the. FTL 2448 campaign that I'm wrapping up on Friday night. The people in the Kansas, in the uh, Ontario class starship crash on a fantasy planet. I'm using air quotes. And they have all these people that were passengers, like corporate suits and laborers and all this. So they're trying to find ways because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a guy that works in an office. And because your ship crashed on this planet on my on route to another planet, I'm not now stuck on this planet. And I'm having to wear, you know, a burlap sack with a, a, a hemp rope tied around my waist. And just, yeah, you're going to salvage this ship so we can get... 
And in the course of this campaign, they've built up this small settlement on this kind of Hudson Bay-like body of water where they have their creature comforts again. And meanwhile, they're, because of these creature comforts, they're attracting natives who are like, oh, wait a minute, what is this? You have this and this, and you have food that you don't have to eat right away because you can do things to keep it preserved and all this. And, it's, all, you know, it's already preserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, even just the science to do so, because let's see, uh, I gauged FTL 2448 culture at high seven. These people are at high, high two, low three. Yeah, you've got four or five tech levels. Middle ground is not going to be easy. You have to bring them up to you and just, yeah. So again, you're educating these people who aren't even, you know, pre-industrial technologies at the most the early renaissance yeah they've got like clockwork devices and crossbows they might just be getting in certain parts of the world like uh gunpowder like an early gunpowder flint lock pistols the grenades uh things like that where you know it was still early black powder where and how did i say this to my coworker jake success or failure is spectacular if you su- <laughs> succeed you succeed very well if you fail, you're losing buildings, limbs, lives, you know. Well, you may be losing <coughs> limbs no matter whether you succeed or fail. Well, yeah, well, success and failure is often a matter of point of view, yeah. Yeah. You succeeding exactly. by removing your enemy's life or limb, to you it's a success. For him, it's a failure, yeah. but I, No, I was thinking <laughs> where, you know, you, you fire off the cannon, the cannon goes and fires this projectile that destroys your enemy, but the cannon blows up, killing yeah, you and, yeah. and, and all the people that are part of your cannon crew. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah, if, if you're having to deal with a lower tech culture, and of course we've done episodes on dealing with high and low tech cultures in, oh God, we did that one years ago. Um, you're going to want to uplift them in some way. And you have to gauge. That's one of the things when you come with uh, in, interacting with these new power centers. Let's say you're on the fringe paths and it happens to be a hunting party sent out by the local chieftain that when he waved his scepter with the little crystal on it, these four people in the village, it glowed. Oh, so you go through the dark cave where I got this from and they go through a portal. So you got like four hunter-gatherers walking around with spears, and you're there as a United I-Dead, you roll up and you see these four, you know, like, let's say Yanomami Indians from the Amazon. And so, yeah, you can gauge, okay, this is a Stone Age culture. You're going to realize that that, you're going to start gauging them and realize, yeah, there's going to be certain concepts they're not even going to get. They're going to look at our vehicles and just not know what in the hell to think. We're going to have to bring them up very slowly. Now, in the case of the new Unita coming out onto the fringe paths and having met the Victorian slash Edwardians, that was steam tech. That was stuff only 100, 150 years back. They were very, it was much easier for them to get along because they had a common technical base. They could say things and they would generally know what it is. Oh, steam. Well, what's yours? Well, this is diesel. It's this, 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 and this. And if you were proficient enough in, in, steam tech and how it works, you might be able to grasp the concept of a diesel engine. But if you're sitting there, you meet, you know, Yanomami, the four Yanomami whose chieftains crystal glowed, yeah, like at South Park, you're going to have a run, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. 
Yeah, which which end of the uh, uh, of of the diesel train do you feed? Yeah, and which end and which end do you have to have a cleanup crew? Well, it's actually the same end. That makes no sense. I would just pass a. I didn't design a thing. I just drive it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you feed this creature? We feed it stone. Huh? <laughs> Yo, uh, Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just yeah. As I said, it the first thing you're going to have to do is gauge the tech level of the culture that you're going that you have come upon that you have found in one way or another, because that's going to determine your interaction with them. Because they're because they're going to see most of these cultures they see high tech, and oh, these are artifacts of the gods they handle. And yes, and they, this one hits the little black stone on the tube made of metal, and a light shines forth. And, you know, again, you know, scare off the bears, like we said earlier. Hmm. Yeah, one, so... That, that brings up one thing that is, like, first thing, ideally, and, of course, you might not always get this option, but ideally, you're going to want to run recon. Well, yeah, yeah, but as I said... It, yeah, it's, I, I'm kind of assuming that's already happened. Yeah. Yeah, if, uh, if you're already assuming that, then, yeah, you should already know, yeah. or at least have a decent idea of what their tech level is and... Right, what they are missing, and and that is one thing you could look for is like where are the gaps between, like their technology and where we were at a similar point. Right. Well, the you know, like I said, the, the what I see is important here is you have to have a philosophy behind your first contact. Okay, and you know, and, and there's a couple of things that you have to do. I mean, first off, you have to ask yourself: Are these people a threat to our power set? Yes. Okay, because they could be a threat. They could be. Uh, they could have a disease that is communicable. Yeah, and you, they, you know, and so therefore the stuff that they give you, or think you bring them, bring them back to your land, could cause a, a big problem. Or B, uh, they could be. You know, are they? You know, are they very aggressive, imperialistic? You know. Uh, oh no, we we've had plenty. Plenty of examples in Earth's history about right. finding out that, oh, yeah, by the way, we have the flu virus, which, you know, yeah, we have immunity to it. The only time it happens is if the strain mutates or if our immune system is suppressed. Oh, wait, these Bronze Age people have no immunity to this disease because, yeah, we just... And, you know, the whole smallpox thing where we won't go there, but you know all what I'm talking about. That concept. Right. Just, yeah, that's something you have to take into account is not only do they have a disease, is there something that we carry around that we're totally immune to that could hurt them? Right. You know, and, and theoretically, that's what happened. Uh, we, you know, we gave them uh, the flu and the smallpox and they gave us uh, venereal disease. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, that's that's one version of the story. But so. but still, yeah, that that's something you got to watch out when you meet another yeah. culture. Is not only are they carrying something, okay? Could we be carrying something that affect them? Right, right. So you know, when and so you you have to ask yourself, you know, are they a danger to us? Okay, are they a danger to us? You know, economically. Okay, if they have the means of producing stuff, you know, at a much better rate than us let's say for example uh, uh wish is cheap or um uh, uh per, you know per fabricate item as a spell ah uh, yeah it is it's very cheap okay uh 
and you basically go over and 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 you you got a a, a, a PS5, and you hand it to them, and they go, oh, bing, here's another one. There you go. Seems like that'd be worth something to you, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no. The, another real world example when Europeans cross the Sahara down into Central Africa, and they came upon, and you've all heard this name, the, the, the city of Timbuktu, and I believe the nation is Mali, M-A-L-I. They came from Europe, crossed the Sahara, which was no small feat in and of itself, and they come to Timbuktu, and everything in the damn city is lined with gold. Gold trim on the build, and pure gold. And just the white Europeans lost their minds. They're like, wait a minute, you have this all over. To the Timbuktu people, yeah, it's there. It's decorative. You know, just yeah, whatever. It's so soft. What are you gonna do with it? Yeah. And and <laughs> and the Europeans lost their damn minds. It's like literally gold in the streets. Just yeah. And hence, you know, the evil term of colonizer comes to mind here. Because yeah, they have something that the people in Mali and Timbuktu had no, it, there was, it wasn't worth anything. And worth is, again, it's, what, what's the term that Rusty would say? Something is only as much as whatever's Ilya is willing to pay for it. And, of course, that's the thing. I mean, these people now, it's like, oh, we have gold all over. Yeah, they've probably got, you know, mines full of it. And they just, you know, untapped resources for us to, you know, pillage, you know, so. Right. And if it had been true... If it actually had been true, then uh, it would have been true in that, you know, they would have brought so much gold back to wherever it they're from. Flooded the market. It would have been worth nothing. Yep. Yes. It, it, and uh, and therefore, you know, uh, economic systems would have crashed and all kinds of Because they didn't know that was a bad thing to do. They said, everybody gets to be a millionaire. What could be what could be wrong with that? Yeah. Is oh I'd like you know I'd like a uh, you know a a, a pound of a flour fine that'll be five hundred thousand yeah. dollars thank you very much yeah, yeah. why is my because gold not spending as well anymore yeah why not so yes uh, so items I mean I was thinking in terms of something that you know is 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 hard to make for us but 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 scarcity is also yeah you know, a thing yeah so yeah by bringing it back you know now. You know, I think the people that are, uh, Sony would be would think it'd be great if you could come back and, and flood the market with PS5s, okay? Yeah. Because you know they they're they're all you know they're making you know what what the production rate is, okay? Yeah. But of course, if you know, and and they have a patent on it, so no one else is allowed to actually you know if it comes if it came in from an outside source like that, they'd say, well, fine, but you gotta you gotta take all those and now deliver it to our factory and then we will ship it out. Yeah, you know, they uh, they will take control of that real quick. Right. And I mean we're not it, it's, folks we're not bad mouthing their intellectual property. Yeah, we're not bad mouthing Sony and we are using this as merely as saying no. we don't want, you know, cease and desist orders about this episode from them. You know, just but yeah, we're just using that as example the PS five and all that. Yeah. And it would be no, any type of company that would wait a minute, you can just make our product like this. Most companies would lock down on that stuff, ham, hard as a mother. Yeah, and just they would be like, "No, we are securing this for ourselves. You work for us now." And these people right, yeah. that can and do this, the people yeah. that really be hurt would be the resellers 
the ones that are buying it, you know, at at, at, at two to three times its list price because they know that someone out there will pay that because it's so rare. That market suddenly is gone yeah. because they they have plenty of them. Yeah, the scalpers are the ones who lose out. Yeah, that's that, and that's yeah. just simple economics one hundred and one, supply and demand. Yeah. Right. So, but 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 that's what's going to happen when you run into other worlds. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and you have you know you have it's part of your uh, interplay with them is to say what can we give you you know that is you know um, you know that's that's good for us to give you okay uh, what is bad you know and what would be bad for us to take home. Uh, for you know the reasons of you know it would flood the market or it would devalue something else you know because of the vast differences in the value between the two worlds you know uh, you know so that's all part of that that economic trading thing it's not just a matter of like you just go in and you sell your best item for as much as the market can bear and you and you take back with you the the most whatever they have that you know is most valuable on your home world. It, it can blow up in your face if you're not yeah. careful about that. Well, that's the whole yeah. thing again with, you know, the running joke we have in Fringeworthy. Wow, this is the fifth Excalibur and the tenth Mona Lisa we've gotten. Okay, you know what? Enough's enough. Just stop. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. The Excaliburs are it, fighting it, each other. This is not right. good. Because in a game like Fringeworthy, there is Xeno uh, archaeology. Oh yeah, uh, and where you're, you know, where you you're going to a close alternate, and you're hoping to find an item that was destroyed on your world and bring it back, yeah. so that it is it restore your essentially restore your culture using a close analog. Yeah. So and and you know, to them on the other side, it's like you know, I mean, most artists. Okay, uh, you know, in their lifetime, their paintings were worth crap. They were, they were. Oh no, paintings. no, no! Most yeah. of the artists, the people that we know today as these are the greatest artistic minds in history. They died paupers. Yeah. Their fame all came posthumously. Shakespeare, pauper. Um, I think Isaac Newton, the man who basically defined our no. laws of gravity. It's not no, like he, he, he no, was, he was he, he he had the chair for physics at the university. Well, okay, but but still, there were there was other people. Van Gogh, Van Gogh, yeah, that's another one, yeah. And and now I'm now uh, I'm thinking Vincent uh, and the Doctor from yeah. As Asmodeus, Amadeus, yeah, Amadeus. Mozart, yeah, yes, Mozart, yeah. yeah. He he basically died. He died. Not only did he die a pauper, he died of a preventable disease caused by overwork. Ah, because he because he was poor. But yeah, the, the that that's the thing is with yeah, just economics. I I think it's safe to say that having a decent grasp of economics would be a good thing to have going into this type of storyline just to not have for you know, otherwise foreseeable 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 circum again it's T folks circumstances happen like oh yeah we found this planet that untouched gold mines and we've now destroyed earth prime's economy yeah we're gonna have to leave now you don't want to do that and it's gonna be really funny that somebody let's say you have somebody in your game who deals with economics you're probably gonna want to confer with them to say okay we're doing this type of thing it's gonna involve trade 
what things are we not going to want to do so this campaign doesn't go belly up because we bankrupted our our home world you know right yeah. yeah well there's there's another really big danger to watch out for and that is where you come across as being such a superior culture that they absolutely hate you and can't stand you and won't deal with you yeah yeah well that i think that also falls into the whole thing of yeah, they see you as gods, and then something happens where, let's say, your tech breaks. No, they see you as wanting to be treated as gods. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And you ain't gods. Like most okay. elven kingdoms in, in fantasy lands. <laughs> yes. Uh, they see that you have to poop. Okay. <laughs> it says, our gods don't do that. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, you're, you, you, get a, you come down with a cold. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, or you get a bellyache eating, um, you, know, you know, drinking too much wine or eating too spicy foods. And yes, you have these amazing toys, but that doesn't somehow give make mean that you should be able to dictate to them how their government operates. Yeah, okay. Yeah, as soon as they realize that it's your toys that give you power, that's... That's when the rebellion yes, or the, yes. the, the conniving begins. Yeah, that could you know turn you turn you into the cash cow instead of uh, reverse because you know they can always grab your people and, and um and uh I'm sorry uh and ransom them yeah yeah and uh, it comes down to how valuable are you in a game like Fringeworthy especially in the early days Fringeworthy explorers were extremely valuable yeah. Oh, only so one in one hundred thousand. We're going to need yeah. uh, fifteen uh, fifteen hundred pounds of gold, or we're not going to give you back. You know, uh, Wheelay, uh, who was like the number one fringeworthy finder on Earth Prime, uh, <laughs> that you might be like, uh, I guess we're going to have to do that deal. Yeah, yeah. Of course, later on, you know, it's like, well, fifteen hundred pounds of gold. Yeah, that's a positive fifteen comma three. Yeah, there's that gold mine. Yeah, give us about a month. Yeah. Or less, you know, we'll you figure out how long we can get you that gold. We'll have it to you and, you know. Well, it's great if you could do Well, that that's what I mean. It you, would depend on, you know, in the early campaign, yeah, that'd be a bit of a problem. You have to go back to Earth Prime and yeah. say, we need 1,500 pounds of gold. Oh, yeah. the requisition paperwork you will need for that one. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. But, yeah, I, I did that in my campaign. I said that, yeah, you guys found a lot of stuff that's really valuable. Can't bring it back to Earth. Yeah, because <laughs> there are people out there that have, uh, first of all, will kill you for, you know, for trying to bring it back. And secondly, you know, they have, you know, they have, they're bribing important people and they're not going to let you. So IDET basically has like a store, you know, so a warehouse somewhere, you know, nearby Earth Prime where they basically put all the stuff that they can't bring back to Earth. So, and they use it for trading purposes yeah. out on the French yeah. press. So, and, and that can create a very interesting situation where you essentially can become, your organization can become independently wealthy from its sponsoring organization. Yeah. Like, I mean, they don't talk about it, but, you know, uh, in, in the Bureau 13 game, they basically said is that Bureau 13 doesn't care whether the government gives them any money or not. Matter of fact, they prefer if they didn't. They have alchemists. They can tra- they've got the Philosopher's Stone. Um, yes. Ray Robertson could, you know... He he puts patents right, out. Right, yeah. And sells, and sells the patents to yeah, companies. Yeah, Bureau 13, no. Eric, Eric the Enabler and I found, figured out years ago, Bureau 13 is its own organization. They work with the government because they want, they, they want to, and they... It's their charter. Yeah. 
But I mean, they they could go off on their own if they went and and don't even bring up the whole thing about Banger Man. Yeah, that in and of itself and, would and, be just and, yeah. And plenty of them in, on Alder and Earth have done yeah. so. Which is something that Richard never talked yeah. about. You know, there's a lot of the alternates that he lists saying Bureau 13 is there, but he doesn't say, yeah, but are they the same Bureau 13? Right. Yeah. Are they, or are they their version of Bureau 13, which could be radically different? Yeah. Yeah. John, John Ryer was, uh, you know, he talked about, you know, the, the uh, uh, debt that was bad, as in, you know, wasn't out, was, was a, a very, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was a very imperialistic yeah. IDET, you know, IDA, and so they were. And you might, and you might very well out there on the French pass run into that version of IDET, yeah, and 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 have to deal with. Okay, uh, you're like my, you're like my darker half. Oh, no, you're you're my weaker wussified yeah. half. <laughs> you're the version of me that's not going to win. Yeah, and has a goatee. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. See, I'm mirror universe, folks. That's that's where we're mirror yep. universe. Right, right, right. Yes, it will fall, says says Spock. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So uh, I guess that brings us to uh, you know to to government. Okay, I mean here in America, we think every government should be a democracy. Yeah. So so is your organization going to go out there and promote that? Or is that one of the things that you say, you know, as long as long as their money is good, we don't care, you know, uh, whether they're, it's a despotism or it's a, uh, a representative government or a feudalism or whatever else you, ism you might want to go with. I mean, how, you know, what what is your outward facing attitude? Because it's going to come out. Someone's going to start talking about like, you know, what are your people like? Oh, uh, this is a good example of another uh, Tritech game. Hardwired Hinterland. You know trade is there. That's how Cake got to be. The, what is it? The Certified Alliance of Key Environs. And you have Anson's Kingdom. King Jerome Anson. He's the guy Uh that holds the lightning crystals. And so he does all the trade with all the other environs so trade can be, and he's making money hand over fist. Problem is, you go to Anson's Kingdom, you are kept to a certain little foreign quarter, you do not go out without supervision, and Anson is painting the picture of, oh yes, these are happy peasants that work for me and they do so for the glory of king. Meanwhile, you have these peasants who are not more than a mile away going, get me the hell out of here, I will give you anything I can to get a flight voucher to go to New Akron because this guy is, you know, a despotic, evil, rat son of a... And those are his good points. You know, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Doom, Dr. Doom and, and Laverti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, that's how you pronounce his country. Latveria. Yeah, yeah, yeah Latveria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, he does have his, you know, his... Uh, and, and and the... Um, um, and Anson's Kingdom does have its uh, set of uh, patriots there, you know the the, uh, I think the the air force. Yeah, the air knights or something like that. Yeah, the air knights are all one hundred percent behind yeah. him. That's funny because I'm be running a hinterland campaign next, so he would be a good thing. Is not necessarily a big bad, but somebody who could definitely put, you know, throw monkey wrenches into the works. Like, oh, really? You're doing this? Well, you really don't want my lightning crystals, do you? Crap. So yeah, that that's another that's another example of yeah, the person you're trading with. Again, it's that phrase from uh, the Justice League comics, post-Legends, when you 
sh- shake hands with the devil, keep the other hand tightly on your soul. Just, yeah. You're making right. a deal with this person. They're not the best person, to, but they are the one that have what you need. Right. So when you come in there, you know, are you, are you, you know, and you, I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot. Your party needs to have the same out, you know, outward facing appearance. Okay. Because if, if you got a diehard, you know, um, uh, uh, a libertarian, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and everyone else is trying to get along. But, you know, really, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the government, sh- you know, uh, shouldn't have their fingers in this. It really should be the responsibility and the, the rights of the local businessman. <laughs> so, you know, people are, you know, pe- if you're strangers, people are going to want to write down what you have to say. And, uh, and, and that information is going to get out and, it may cause serious uh, repercussions on your ability to interact with a group on a long term in a positive way. Hmm. I mean, and, and we had this problem on Earth because we had the divine right of kings for so long. Everybody assumed that every king, and it's even supported in, in some ways by the Bible. You know, uh, every king is put there by God or gods. Okay, and therefore to uh to not obey the edicts of the king or queen uh is not only to be un you know unpatriotic okay uh treasonous it's downright heretical you know, uh, yeah heretical blasphemous, yeah blasphemous yeah. sure and uh it's really easy for that to snowball way out of shape you know and uh it's what we still have that problem yeah today. yeah uh, there you know, in, in there's a number of, of of religions that are very, very. You know, you can't talk about certain things. You can't say certain things, or somebody may very well take it upon themselves to kill you. <laughs> you know, and some people, and, and historically, people did that for your own good, prevent you from sinning anymore. Yeah, and, and, exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, capture you force you to confess your sins, give you absolution, yeah. and then kill you so you can't yeah. sin again. Yeah, that's that was a thing. We we mentioned that a couple of podcasts. Yeah, the whole, yeah and, and all uh, I'm thinking of is Torquemada. Let's face it, you can't Torquemada anything. Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. So, yeah, so the uh, the whole political thing is a huge, huge thing. And, uh, you know, and, and, and even coming from Earth Prime, you know, uh, you're going to, especially if you have a, an organization that draws from many, many different countries, you're going to have this issue where, you're gonna, you know, they're going to say, well, you know, we, I, I come from a, 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 mo- you know, a monarchy. I think monarchies are great. I think every monarch we've ever had has been a great, you know, they, they were raised from children. To be the next yeah. king or queen, you know, uh, there, there's nobody who'd be better for the job than them. He's- yeah, that's the thing with with that when you bring in fringeworthy, and often it is, and the term, and I believe it came out in the '90s, multi-culty, where you have an American, an American, someone from China, someone from France, someone from you know Asian countries, someone from Africa. You're going to have that mix of, and again, conflict brings out good role playing. Let's say this multi-culty IDET happens upon somebody like King Anson, but on another parallel Earth. Yeah, it's like that one person who comes from a monarchy is going to be all for training this guy because it's what they know. It's what they've been raised to believe. 
everyone else on the in in the group is going to be like, okay, no, we're seeing this guy for what he is. You've drank the Kool Aid of being the subject of a monarch, yeah. And so you're going to have not necessarily infighting, but at least maybe a heated debate on whether you should deal with this person, because everybody else is seeing, yeah, not all monarchs are wonderful. So yeah, no. No, the problem with with a good monarch is that he dies. Yeah, and the next person might not be a right. good monarch. You know, it's they they uh, in the uh, the television show uh, designated survivor. Uh, yeah, you know, it, at one point the uh, the president says, "Why can't you give me these rights?" He says, "He says, do you think I'm going to misuse it?" And she says, "Oh no, I know that you're a good and moral man, but the person who comes after you may not yeah. be." So. And that's that, and and that's all part of the the given play. Of that well, I, I I dealt with that um, again. I can't rave about this show enough. Uh, Fur and I love it. They just wrapped up with the final season, The Last Kingdom, on Netflix. Yeah, you uh, dealt with King Alfred, and then he died, and he had the dream of uniting England, and then you had the son Edward, who had the dream, but he obviously was going about it different ways in order to get his father's dream done. So yeah, they that was often thrown in his face. It's like, yeah, you may think you're you're Alfred, but you're not. We understand you're Edward, but this is not how your father would have done it. He, and and the character had that thrown in his face, even by his own mother Ellsworth, more than once, because she was still trying to hold on to Alfred's dream years after he died. So yeah, that's the problem with leaders. Is like, and I'm even thinking of Doctor Who and the Zygon inversion. Yes, when you get your world all just and nice and everything. What's going to happen when the next revolution comes along? When the new people... Yeah, same thing. That that leaders don't last, and so policies change. Heck, policies change in our government with just change of administration. And it could be of the same party. You could have one of the same party, and then, oh, it's another. And still, just because of the same party doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily have the same views. They may still change something differently based on what they would prefer. So yeah, if you have questions or concerns or you are doing this as your campaign plot, please contact us on our various Facebook groups, Fans of Gaming on the Frontier Podcast, Fringeworthy RPG Fans. This could even be done with Bureau 13 agents everywhere because there are chances that a Bureau team could come upon like a hidden culture of, you know, humanoids hidden in a pocket dimension. So the Bureau has to act as, okay, we represent this entity. And I'm sure in the Bureau history, there have been first contact episodes that have been very good and very bad. Leave your comments, questions, thoughts in those forums, iTunes, the Podbean page that you get this from, tritechsystems.podbean.com. And again, feedback, feedback, feedback. We love that. It gives us more to work with, and we will be more than happy to answer your questions on this. There, it pushes it pushed me and Pixie to our limits as far as when she did the Pokemon. People came back with all sorts of feedback. So yes, give us feedback on this, and we will be more than happy to oblige you in what you would like to know or ideas, you know, as sounding boards even. We can do that for you. There will be more for you next week, but until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying 
There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.